partly want to remind you of some things tonight from earlier this year, but also if you weren't here at the beginning of this year when I was uh, teaching along these lines, uh, there was, I'm still going to be able to communicate some things to you. But if you remember at the first of the year, I was uh, really encouraging you about seeking the Lord and really finding out God's vision for this year. In other words, specific things that God would have you believe Him for this year. Uh, you know, because one thing I have found is that when I leave things in the general in other words, I'm like, Lord, just bless me. Lord, take care of me. Lord, provide for me. I don't really know when God works. And I have a hard time connecting my faith to something specific. I mean, you know, like, give you a natural example. This would always be my encouragement to you. If you're believing God for a car, you might not want to know what kind of car. I mean, if you don't want a gold car, you might want to say, Lord, I would prefer not to have a gold car. If you, if you know, if you, or maybe you don't like a dark car, you're like, I want something that's lighter color. I want a silver or a white car. Why? Because your faith can actually have something to grab hold of. You know, and, and look, and the blessings of the Lord are always great. They're always wonderful. Um, you know, but I have found that my faith is much more effective when I have something specific that I can connect it to. And, uh, you know, and at the beginning of this year, it was one of the things that I was really was encouraging you to find out, um, you know, and, and in a sense, and, and for what I'm, or how I'm going to communicate some things tonight, is to have a clear vision from the Lord. Uh, and that's important, you know, even if it's not in line of, well, you're believing God specifically for something, it's important that we all know God has a purpose, God has a plan for your life. Like individually, as a family, specifically for you, and you need to know what that is. I mean, part of, I can just tell you, part of the vision for you and for your family is that God wants you connected to a church, which is why you're here tonight. That's God's purpose. Why? Because He doesn't want a bunch of orphans running around, spiritual orphans running around without a family, without a father, without those to be in relationship with. He says that He came to rescue the orphans and put, and the psalmist wrote it this way, he says He takes the lonely and sets them in families. That's what God does. And so part of God's vision is what? For you to be connected to other believers. You know, and so obviously you're here. So, you know, we have the phrase where it's like, hey, we're preaching to the choir. But you do realize that's part of God's calling on your life is to be connected to other believers. Um, you know, and so the, even in those things. But, you know, there's some things that I want to share with you tonight along this line. And it is, I want to up front kind of remind you about those things that I had encouraged you. There were actually two specific areas um, that the Lord laid in my heart about breakthrough in, in, in your life for this year. And so I don't want you to lose sight of those things. But I also want you uh, and, and to really begin to seek the Lord and to ask God, God, what's my purpose? What do you have for me? Um, you know, what are, you know, and, like I'll just give you an example. You may be, and God may have a grace on your life that you've not even tapped into yet. And you're not even, you don't, you're not even aware that there's a grace in your life. For it. I know that says a lot, but do you realize that you could have giftings right now that you have no clue that you have? That you've never even thought about tapping into because you don't even know they're there. Why not ask the Lord? If you say, Man, I don't know what God wants me to do, well, have you ever asked Him? God, why did you create me and have me born at this time in history? Of all of the thousands of years I could have been born, you said now was the right time. You saw fit to have me in El Dorado, Arkansas in 2017. Why? Have you ever asked? God, what is the purpose? What's the reason? Because one of the things that I have seen and learned is that the grace in my life is also tied to the place where I'm supposed to be. I mean, I can't just say, well, I'm called to pastor. I can go anywhere and pastor. That's not true. Why? Because God has a place for me to function in His grace in my life. Well, the same thing is true for you. It's not something unique to me because I'm a pastor. I'm a believer. There's a grace in my life to function, but there's also grace in your life to function in God's grace in your life. But what if you don't know well, what that grace is? What do you do? And so part of it is seeking the Lord. Now, there are natural things that we can do, but yet God is not natural. Because naturally speaking, I wouldn't be talking right now. Why? Because I couldn't talk in front of people. 
So just because you say, well, I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we have someone right now who's involved in our kids ministry and they just tried it. They just thought, well, I'll give it a go. And here was the response. that I never knew that I would enjoy kids ministry. Never would have guessed it. But they enjoy it. And it actually brings life to them. Well, sometimes you got to try some things to say, I didn't like that. Because you might end up saying, hey, that was, I really enjoy doing that. That really fits who I am. And, and you know, and there's different, you know, and look, and, and I've done, I, I believe I've done about everything you can do in church life. And there are some things that I strongly dislike. Kids ministry being one. <laughs> There is, I can tell you, and my wife will attest, there is about, now, it, maybe I have grown a little bit in this way. But there is no grace in my life for kids ministry. And yet, for nearly a decade, I did youth ministry, and I, over and over and over, people would ask me, how do you deal with teenagers? They're just crazy. People are like, oh, I mean, and I would have people in kids ministry asking me, me that. And I'm like, I'm fixing your problems. Like, you created these little monsters. Not really. But there was a grace on my life to deal with them who are in that age, which takes a special grace. But, you know, they would ask me, how do you deal with teenagers? And I would ask them, how do you deal with kids? I didn't need their grace, and they didn't need my grace. They needed the grace to function in what they were called to do. I needed the grace to function in what I was called to do. You know, I mean, it's amazing to me that I can see the difference just even in the way that I think because there's a different grace on my life now than there was in those years as a youth pastor. Because, see, I had all these theories as a youth pastor that when I became a pastor, I realized those are dumb. No one had to tell me. But there was a new grace that came into my life. And what is grace? It's what enables you to do the thing God called you to do. It's God's ability coming on you to do what you cannot do of yourself. And so, I mean, just wisdom comes. When you're in the right place, you actually have greater wisdom from God. If you're out of the right place that God wants you to be, it's a great chance you're lacking some wisdom. Because it's reserved when you function in that place. It's, I mean, I've seen it work so many times. You know, one of the things I'll just kind of give you, and this is kind of an example of why I say that. When I was youth pastoring, right, uh, when the Lord had been dealing with me and Dara for a while, that a, a new season was coming. There was a change coming. I mean, and I don't mean like a month. I mean, over the span of three and a half years, we prayed. So, you know, don't think that, oh, it's three weeks. And I said, oh, the Lord's doing a new thing. I waited and I prayed and I waited and I prayed. I waited and I prayed. Why? Because I wanted to know that I was hearing from God. And, um, you know, but one of the things that I learned during that time of transition, because uh, ultimately, I mean, for me, because I, okay, let me kind of walk you through a couple things real quick. For me, leaving youth pastoring to me going on staff at Word of Life was roughly eight or nine months. And I was on staff there for a year and a half or so, something like that, before I came to pastor here. When I left Kansas, I knew I was called to pastor. So it was nearly, whatever that was, I don't know. You can do the math. A couple years, two or three years. So from the time the Lord first spoke to me that there was a new grace coming into my life, to me actually stepping into that grace was roughly six years. Now I tell you all that for a reason. Six years is a long time. And so many times we get impatient with God, waiting for His grace or even His promise, even the vision, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit tonight, coming to pass. You ever gotten frustrated with God? I have a lot. God, why are you so slow? Of course, I think God probably says, why are you so slow? If you would just do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it, we would get somewhere a little faster. Because God's not, I'm, you know, we're not really waiting on God many times. He's waiting on us. And many times that there are things that we need to learn so that we can move into that new place. You know, and honestly, those three and a half years were God waiting on me to get some stuff straight. It had nothing to do with God being mean and punishing me. 
But one of the things that I did learn out of that season was I was always anointed to preach. There's a gift in my life. That's what God created me to do. So you give me a scripture and let me go. I can preach. It's just a gift. I can't explain it. One day I couldn't. One day I could. I can't explain that. But one of the things that I learned out of that, even though I had the anointing of God to do something, the grace had lifted in my life. And so what had been very easy for me became very difficult for me. You know, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I didn't do anything wrong. It was a change of season that God was doing in me. And, you know, and that's one of the things that as you're in church life, church world, you may be involved in an area or doing something and the grace of God lifts and you wonder, why is this so frustrating to me all of a sudden? I used to love to do this. And all of a sudden, it's just a lot of hard work. Here's my encouragement to you. There may be a season change. And you need to ask the Lord, what is it? What is that? Nothing's wrong, but maybe it's time for God to say, hey, I want to take you to a new place. It's time for you to step up to a, to a new place that I have for you, and there's a new grace for you. So don't let it frustrate you and just say, well, why am I still in this place? <clears throat> Find out what God is doing. Ask Him. Because it's important. Why? Because how do you know what to believe God for if you haven't even found out what He's doing? He's not doing things secretly. He will quickly share with us. But we have to seek. We have to ask. And so uh, let me read you a couple verses here uh, tonight. Some of these, most of these will be pretty familiar, but I, I just want to lay a little groundwork. This first one's going to, I'm going to read out of the Amplified Bible. It's uh, Proverbs 29, verse 18. He says, where there is no vision or no revelation of God and His Word, let me say it this way, where there's no vision of God's purpose, the people are unrestrained. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. So you could also say it this way. Is it happy is he, or happy and blessed is he who keeps the purposes of God? When you know your purpose, when you know the thing that God has for you, it brings joy, it brings blessing into your life. It does. I mean, you know, I started serving in church by setting up chairs. I did it every week. I wasn't even saved yet. That's how I started. Somebody asked me, they said, would you come and set up chairs every week? And that's what I did. And then, you know, I got promoted from the chair ministry to the sound booth ministry. So I started running sound. I started learning all kinds of things about lights and sound and all this stuff and the computers and all the good things that come along with that. That eventually actually led to a job that I did. I got hired because I had become very proficient at so much stuff in the church that they said, we should probably hire you. And so they brought me on staff because of those areas. And then I've done all kinds of different things. I mean, I've done everything from outreach ministry to you name it. I mean, you know, I suffered for a month through kids ministry. It took me about two minutes to figure out that wasn't my calling. But I had to do it for a month, so we did it for a month. We were helping fill in a gap. You know, and even in that, you will find God's grace in your life. Some of you are an untapped resource. You have no idea the giftings and the things God's placed in you. And because of that, it creates frustration in your life because you don't clearly have a vision of what God has for you now. Maybe at one time you did, but you've either lost sight of it or that you're in a new season and you haven't found that purpose yet. I call that no man's land. It's like a desert. It's like, Lord, where have you gone? Because there's no, there's no blessing there. And yet, here it says that when there is no vision, people go crazy. That's my translation. Why? Because... Well, let me say it like this, is that without a, without a vision, you're like a ship, a ship that is adrift at sea. Your motor ain't running. You're getting, what, blown. You're just rocked side to side. You're out of control. You have no idea. You know, I mean, I, I'm a, I like fishing, and, I, you know, I've been out in the ocean, and thankfully I've never been on a boat that broke down in the ocean, but I've seen enough where, you know, you want to position your boat so that the waves come this way, not this way. If they're coming this direction, there's a good chance if the waves are bigger, you're going to sink. 
That's a bad deal. Well, without a vision from God for your life, and this is important. Why does it matter that you know God's vision for your life? Because it's the only thing that God will bless. God won't necessarily bless your plan. He will always bless his plan. Always. So if you want God to put his stamp of approval and his blessing on your life, you need to find out what his plan is. Because, and and here's the other, is that a clear vision brings clarity, which is important, and purpose. And one of the things that a clear vision will do is that it it will force any bit of casualness out of your life. It will. Why? Because, there are, because it brings focus, it brings some clarity, and it says, well, no, I don't want to do this, this, and this. You know, me and Derek just gone, had gone on vacation, whatever it was, a week ago. You know, and, and let me give you an example of this so everybody can understand. If you want to go on vacation, how many of you know vacation ain't free? Right? I mean, I've never been on a free vacation. They've always cost money. Well, is it not better to plan for that vacation? To have a little money to go on that vacation with. As opposed to just jumping the car saying, hey, let's just go somewhere. We're going on vacation. Where are we going? We don't know. Let's just drive. We got any money? No, but it'll be all right. The Lord will provide. It might not be the most pleasant trip in the world. Why? Because you didn't make preparation. There was no clarity. There was no real purpose like, you know... Trying to go somewhere. I mean, you would be disappointed if you loved the beach and you ended up in the mountains. Like, this ain't where I wanted to be. But there was no clarity. And so it's important to find out, hey, what's God doing in this season of your life? I mean, we have people in this room that are from all different walks, all different seasons, all different times of life. We have people in here that have young kids. People that have teenagers, people who are experiencing their kids who have now left home, people who their kids have been gone for a long time, praise the Lord. I heard somebody say one time, you have kids so that you can send them off and bless them as they leave, so you can enjoy the rest of your life. And so there's different seasons of life, but God always has a purpose in every season that we're in. And it's important that we find out what God's purpose is. So I'm going to give you some simple Just to give you a baseline, how do I know what God's plan is for me? God tells us. He didn't keep it a secret. And so there's some qualifiers that God says in His Word. Number one comes out of Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Bible. So God, speaking to the children of Israel, makes this statement. He says, For I know the plans and the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being... Not for disaster. So if it's something bad and evil, it ain't from God. God has good plans. They bring peace and well-being. He says to give you a future and a hope. Third John chapter 2, or third John verse 2. He says, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. So God's plans for you are always for our betterment. They're always for our increase. It's always for what? For God's blessings to become greater in our life. And it doesn't mean that God won't ask you to sacrifice something sometimes. But God doesn't ask us to sacrifice to leave us with less than what we started with. Think about sowing and reaping. God will multiply the seed that you have sown. He doesn't subtract and He doesn't take away. God is in the multiplication business. Now, everybody always takes that and thinks about it in terms of money. And yes, there's a part of that. But there's also spiritual seed that we can sow even in prayer. Even in time with the Lord. In our relationship with Him. Developing uh, really that, that core of who we are. And developing that relationship with Him. Well, don't you know there's also blessings that come from that? And they're not... You know, if I, if I spend, if I have a disciplined time with the Lord, He will multiply even what I receive from Him in my relationship with Him. Why? Because I've been diligent to make that a priority in my life. And God will reward those things in my life. He will. He will do the same thing for you. But it's when you make God the priority that it brings clarity into your life. Because, I mean, that's pretty important. If you want to find out what God's saying in your life, you might need to be with Him. 
And here's what I know. The more time I spend with God, whether that be through prayer, worship, whether it be just getting quiet sometimes before the Lord, whether that be, um, you know, I mean, it, I don't know what all I just said. Prayer, worship, reading the Word, quiet time, just sometimes just getting out of your normal routine, getting in a different place and just, Lord, is there anything that you want to talk to me about? You, you get in those times... And the more that I do that, the more clearly I can hear God's voice. It's just, it's a byproduct. And the other side of that, the more time I spend in God's presence, the more readily I recognize that's not the Lord. Because the devil is crafty. And he will say things that sound good sometimes. Not everything that the devil brings is bad. Think about Adam and Eve. He brought the fruit and said, doesn't this look good to eat? Well, yeah, it looks like all the rest of the apples. Just the Lord said, don't eat that one. But the Bible says that Eve looked at it and it was good for the eating. It was appealing to her. So just because something looks good doesn't mean that it is good. So that's why it's important that we have that connection with the Lord so that we can uh, really see the difference and know the difference in our heart. You're like, well, how do you know? Sometimes you just know. You're like, well, that doesn't make sense. You don't know it here. You know it in here. There's a peace in your heart that says, everything looks great, but something ain't right about that. I don't know what that is. My pastor in Kansas would say it this way. He would say, you just know in your knower. Well, what's your knower? It's, it's your spirit, man. It's that thing. It's that peace on the inside. And, you know, I've had to, you know, learn the hard way. When I've not listened to that little something that says, I, that's, it's not really the best. Ah, that's good. And then I paid. Now I don't not pay attention to those things. I'm very quick to listen and be like, oh, there must be a reason. I'm not touching that. I'm not going there. I'm not going to go that direction, whatever it may be. You know, and, and so even for those that, who had something in the beginning of this year that the Lord spoke to you and gave you something. One of my questions for you tonight is, are you actively still pursuing that? That thing that God maybe stirred in your heart back in January and maybe early February when, when we really set some time aside to fast to seek the Lord about this year. Are you still standing and believing for those things? Now, I know some of those things have already come to pass in some people's lives. And, you know, I still have the cards in my office that I still pray over. I told you I would. I'm still praying over those things. I mean, they sit on my desk. Why? Because I believe that when we pray, God works. God moves. It's not over yet. We're in July, almost August. The year's not over. So why stop believing now? Why not continue to press and to believe God for more and for Him to to do the very thing that He said that uh, He would do in your life? So you've got to be active in your faith about those things, believing God, seeking God in those areas of your life. You know, one of the things, and it's just a principle in Scripture that I see over and over, but I've taken it just as something that I've done many times now because it's effective and it works for me. You know, um, I'm not a big journal person, note-taker person necessarily. I mean, some people love to journal, love to write. I probably should. I know a lot of people who do it and swear by it, but it's just not something that I do. But one of the things that I do is I always jot down things the Lord. I have a note on my phone. And it's just things that the Lord speaks to me. And it may be for our personal life. It may be for the church. It may, who knows what this is about. But not, I mean, I don't have it on a schedule, but every now and then I just go back and I'll, I'll reread through those things. Why? Because it brings back clarity to my life. And it brings back and says, oh yeah, this is what the Lord said. It's kind of like when you misquote a verse and you swear that's what Scripture says and then you go read it and you're like, well, that's not quite what it says. It says it a little bit differently. The same thing happens with us when the Lord speaks something to our heart or maybe somebody, you know, shares, uh, you know, maybe the Lord gives somebody a word or, you know, something for you. And man, and it's, it's, it's that word's in due season. It's right in that moment and it, it brings life to you and energy to you. I always, I mean, I can tell you, since I have been, well, not since I've been saved, but I'll say this. I have words all the way back to 1999 that have been spoken over my life. And I have them written down, and I have it saved on every device I have. 
my computer, my phone, my iPad. I've got it in the cloud. I could get on the internet and get to it if I had to. Why? Because I go back and I read through those things. If I get discouraged, I go back and I start reading. Why? Because those are the things that the Lord has used other people to speak into my life. And they bring encouragement and strength into my life. So even when the Lord speaks things, even if it's just to my own heart, I have it on a separate document, I have it on a, in a separate place, but I will go back and reread those things. Why? Because they remind me of my promise. They remind me of the thing that God stirred up in me. And many times, I have to remind myself, why? Because I forgot. Or maybe I've let, kind of let go of it a little bit, and I'm not really holding to it like maybe I was in January. Come May, it's like, well, you know, I'm busy, I'm doing some things. It's like, oh, I forgot God told me to believe Him for that this year. I need to get back on that. And then summertime comes and vacation, because one of the things I did on vacation, I went over my list. What's the Lord speaking of? What did the Lord tell me? And am I actively pursuing those things now? And it's important. Habakkuk 2, verse 1. Everybody always reads verses 2 and 3, but verse 1. Well, let me read this out of the New Living Translation. Let me switch. He writes and he says, And I will, I will climb up to, a, to my watchtower and I will stand by my guard post. Now that may seem kind of funny in language, but that's a, it's really a type and a shadow of New Testament prayer. Anytime that you read something about going to a watchtower in the Old Testament, it's referring to, it, for us, it's about prayer. Um, and, and he says, I will climb up to my watchtower. So in other words, what he's saying is I'm going to my place to pray. I'm going to seek the Lord. He says, and I will stand at my guard post. He says, there I will wait to see what the Lord has to say. So sometimes, and it's, I'm not saying this is an all the time thing, but sometimes you need to pray till you get an answer. How long do you know how to pray? Until you get whatever answer you need. And that's what he says. He says, I'm going to wait to see what the Lord has to say. And the New Living, I like the way that, that it says it because it's just kind of funny to me. But he says, and I will see how he answers my complaint. I'm going to pray and I'm going to complain to the Lord. And I'm going to wait till he gives me an answer for what I'm upset about. <laughs> That's what he said. And the Lord responds to that. So you don't have to have a pretty prayer. He's complaining and yet God responds. In verse 2 it says, Then the Lord says to me, He says, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. He says, The vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. Here's what you have to know. If God promised you, He will do it. He just said He would. He says the vision is for a future time. I mean, there are things that God showed me when I was 16 years old that I've yet to see. It's a part of the vision for my life. I was 16 when I saw it. I'm still pursuing it at 37. And why? Because it's the vision God gave me. I mean, we're 20 years plus. That's okay. Because here's what I know. When I was 16, I wasn't ready for what God showed me. I don't know that I'm ready at 37. But I do know that God's developing me to get me to the place of the vision that He has for me. And the same thing is true for you, is that God is developing you for what? For the vision that He has for you. So don't get frustrated by the process. Realize it's a process and you're in development. And God is preparing you so that you can actually enjoy the promised land. That's why the children of Israel, God wouldn't let them go to the promised land with a bunch of unbelief. Why? Because they would have lost it really quick. It was going to take faith to take the promised land and it was going to take faith to keep the promised land. And so that's part of how God works in our life. And yet here, he says that the vision is for a future time. It describes the end, but it will be fulfilled. He says, if it seems slow in coming, praise the Lord. If the vision seems slow, wait patiently. For it will surely take place and it will not be delayed. God's vision, let me say it this way, is that God is committed to you and he's committed to his purpose in your life. You know, one of the things that I shared with you at the beginning of the year was that it takes no more faith to believe for God. Um, it takes no more faith to believe for God, believe God for something big than it does to believe Him for something small. 
I don't want to pray safe prayers. I want to pray prayers that says, God, unless you show up, there ain't no way this is going to happen. And I mean that in my life. I mean that in the life of our church. I mean that in your life. I, I want to pray prayers that are big prayers. Why? Because we serve a really big God. And God wants to pour out His goodness in our life and His grace in our life. And He wants to do this. And so, you know, even for those of you who may not have been here in January, and you're like, well, that's great. You're talking about all this stuff that God said in, in January. Well, God still speaks in July too. <laughs> he just as readily will speak today as He did back then. So all we have to do is ask. Maybe the things that you were believing God for, you're like, man, He already came through for me. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Maybe God had more that you didn't catch in January and he wants to share with you now. He says, hey, I got some other things I'd like to do this year. So it's never too late to ask God what he wants to speak and what he wants to stir in your life. So go ahead and ask him. James tells us you have not because you ask not. He says, if you, if you lack wisdom, just ask. And God who will freely give you wisdom. You know, many times one of the things that I have learned is that I am one bit of God's wisdom away from really seeing that next, um, whether it be a breakthrough, whether it be whatever it may be, one word from God is all I need. The wisdom of God comes and all of a sudden it's just like click. It's not like hitting a light switch. It's something totally, it's like just a total different, I can't even explain it. It's like, it seems like it's just a little nugget. And usually it's not something mind-blowing. Usually it's something that I've not paid attention to that says, hey, this is the one little, just make this minor adjustment. And that seems to be that minor adjustment is what opens the floodgate. I've seen that happen multiple times in my life. I've seen it happen multiple times in other people's lives as well. And so all we need to do is to ask the Lord. Lord, you you know, you stirred something in my heart to, to really grab hold of and believe you for. Okay, give me the wisdom. What do I need to do? Is there something I need to understand or learn or, or whatever it may be? He may lead you to read a book. Like, I hate reading. Well, so do I. I'm not an avid reader. You go to my office, it looks like it though. But I'm not, I'm not I mean, it's a discipline in my life. I don't enjoy it. I wish I did. I enjoy what I get from it. But it's not like, you know, it's just something that I, you know, people that love to read, I'm jealous. I wish I did. That's just not me. That's just not the way. But I do understand that, hey, if I'm going to move forward, I'm going to have to learn some stuff. And I never want to get to a place where I stop learning about God, about the Word, about anything. I always want to be a learner. But, you know, one of the things about people who are learners, they're constantly changing. So you got to just kind of say, okay, I'm going to change because I'm going to learn new stuff. God has different wisdom and he'll bring you resources and things along to help you for that next season. And it may be something even naturally. It's, you know, I mean, I've shared this multiple times when the Lord began to deal with me and Dara about, um, you know, our finances. He didn't send me an angel with with a box of money. He sent me a book. That's not real fun. I would prefer the angel with the box of money. Because that would make for a much cooler story. Like, you know. That ain't what the Lord did. He brought me a book to read. But you know what? That book changed my life. It changed the way that I approached money, the way I thought about money, the way I handled money. And the handling of it wasn't as important as the way I viewed it. But it changed my life. And many of the blessings of the Lord that I get to walk in today have to do with something natural that was reading a book. I go, that doesn't seem too spiritual. I'm convinced the Lord brought that natural book into my life. And I began to put some of the things into practice. And you know what? It worked. It took time, but it worked. And I'm thankful today because of it. 
So it's important that even, you know, you know, like I said in the beginning, you know, for me, ultimately, even about, uh, you know, me really getting to the place, if you will, that I, that I really believe the Lord was calling me to, which was to pastor, was about six years. Roughly. I don't know the exact time frame, but it was a while. And here's the thing. I knew at 16 I was called to pastor. Now, this is unusual. I'll just preface it by this. I knew from the time I was about five years old that I was called to pastor. Now, people have asked me, how did you know that? I have no idea. But I knew it. Now, for years, I wanted nothing to do with it. I would run from it, everything. But I knew from the time I was a little kid. I was a teenager being an idiot. I'd tell people. They'd be like, oh, what are you going to do? And I'd say, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And they'd be like, really? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm be a preacher. <laughs> Just as heathen as I could be. But I knew. I could run, but I wasn't going to hide. I think that's part of why I just, all right, at 16, I was like, okay, I'm not going to run for a decade. And then finally, like, okay, you got me. I was just kind of, what's the point? Because I knew what I was called to do. And I knew, and here's the thing, and I don't know how I knew this. I say it's because I had a praying mama who prayed for me. But I knew that I would never be happy until I was doing the thing I was created to do. I knew that. As a 16-year-old kid, I knew that. I tried several things, and none of them worked. And I knew the only way I'll ever truly be happy is if I just surrender my life to the Lord and do what He's called me to do. Unusual, but I knew that. Well, the same is true for you. The greatest joy and the greatest fulfillment that you'll ever find is finding that thing that God has created you to do. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's your job. Your job may not be what you're called to do, but your job creates the ability for you to do the thing that you're called to do. I mean, for a long time, I didn't get paid squat for anything to do with the ministry. I did it because I loved it. Because I loved being used by God. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever shared the story or not, but the first time, I'll just give you this as an example, because this is the way God hooked me when I was a kid. I was probably about nine or ten. I was in the puppet ministry of our kids' church. I know we don't use puppets much anymore, but we did back then. This was 25 years ago, and puppets were still cool. And I remember I was on the puppet team, and I, me and one of my good friends at the time... It, we did a big puppet, and so it took two people because the puppet had arms and a head. And so, I mean, you know, so we had this thing, and we had, um, I, anyhow, we were doing this big production thing. And so we did our little whatever skit thing. It was some song. I don't remember what. And I was usually, and I, I was, I was exhausted at the end of it, just sweating like crazy. And, uh, you know, I don't, it was some song. And uh, anyhow, so we got done. Well, I went and sat back down. We were done. And then, you know, and I'm tired. I'm like, oh, man, I'm glad that's over. That was fun. You know, whatever. And I was probably, I don't know, 8 to 10, something like that. And then whoever it was, I don't even know, whoever was in charge said, hey, we're going to do that again. Well, we were exhausted. But we go back up there and we do it. It was the first time I ever felt the presence of God. And I'll say it this way. It's the first time I ever sensed the anointing come on me. That ruined me. Because my life became a pursuit of, I want to experience that again. Now, I never experienced that again until I started ministering. And you see, and if you're not careful, you'll say, well, yeah, but you're a preacher. That's for you guys, not for me. I believe there's anointings for all kinds of things. I believe you can be anointed to be a doctor, a nurse. I believe you can be anointed to be a, a lawyer. I believe you can be a, anointed to be a husband or a wife or a mother or a father. I don't want to father on my own. I want to make sure that I have an anointing in my life to father my children. Why? Because the anointing makes you look really good. Makes you look a lot better than you really are. And you may not even be aware of how much you need the presence of God 
to help you in your day-to-day life. You know, that's part of God's vision for your life. Is what? Is to help you. There's a grace in your life. You might be here and you're a mom. You might be here and you're a dad. You might be here and you're a grandmother, grandfather. You may be here and you just work and and you're working your job and and things come so easy for you. And you don't even recognize that that's the anointing. That's the ability of God working in your life. Things that drain everybody else energizes you. It's more than just, well, that's the way I'm wired. There's a gifting and an ability in your life. And if you'll recognize it, you'll actually realize that's the anointing of God in your life. I mean, there are people that are just gracious and kind and they bring comfort to people. Well, isn't that one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit? Is that not who Jesus said he was, the comforter? Well, that's the anointing. You're like, yeah, but I may never preach. No, but you still minister to people. Out of that ability. That's the anointing of God in your life. And so it's important. And here's the thing. Anytime that you function in the grace in your life, there's always blessings. There's always blessings. God will bring about His purposes in our life. And if we're not careful, we can get frustrated sometimes. Wondering, God, when is this going to happen? I've been believing. I've been standing. I've been asking. I've been doing all the things they talk about at church and ain't nothing happening. God, when? God, when? God, when? God, when? I'm tired of praying. I mean, you know, for the last couple of months, we've been talking, having done all to stand, Ephesians 6. Having done all you can to stand, stand. Just keep standing. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep believing God for those things that you've been asking for. Because when we pray, when we seek the Lord, it gives God room to work. Every time you pray, think of it that way. You're creating space for God to come in and work. Every time. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You always reap what you sow. Now, this is obviously talking about giving, but it's also much deeper than that. We give a lot of things, not just finances. He goes on in verse 8, and it says, Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature or their flesh will harvest death and decay from their sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will uh, harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So that means when you're sitting watching TV all the time, it might be a good idea to turn it off and go spend some time in the Word. Why? Because you're sowing to the Spirit. Let me say it like this, and I, and I don't mean this, uh, and I'll just tell this. I'm preaching to me right now, so y'all just get to hear this. If you're going to make God a priority in your life, you've got to give Him time. And the problem is many times we spend more time sitting in front of a TV, in front of a computer screen, in front of something else, and we wonder why God's not talking. It's because I threw up a little prayer when I got out of bed, and then I sat in front of the TV for a couple hours. And I wonder, God, why do I feel distant from you? Well, because we're given more time freely by our own choice. As opposed to really saying, God, I'm going to make a priority. I'm going to give you extra time to speak. And especially in those moments where you need a word from God. Don't let the enemy lull you to sleep. Pay attention and pray. Why? Because God will not be mocked. When you sow to the Spirit, you reap of the Spirit. When you sow to the flesh, you reap of the flesh. It's a principle. Not just when it comes to giving of of finance. It's a life principle. If you want to reap from your flesh, not a lot of good happening there. Just not. But what comes from sowing to the Spirit? Here it says that it's everlasting life. It's the goodness of God in your life coming forth. And he says in verse 9, he said, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep pressing. Keep believing. Keep seeking the Lord. I mean, you know, the Bible talks about that there are those who through faith and patience 
I don't like patience. I'm an impatient person. I want it yesterday. Like, I ain't got time for that. I want it now. And yet, the Bible tells me that we inherit the promises of God through faith and patience. Well, God, can I just have more faith and not as much patience? Like, could we work that deal out? Can I negotiate this with you? And yet, there's times God says, look, you're on my time frame, not yours. I don't like that. But now being on the other side of some of those opportunities, now I see where the patience actually worked for my good. I didn't like it in the time. I didn't like it at all. But in the end, the vision brought what? It brought about blessing in my life. And the same thing is true in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Again, he's talking about finances here, but it's a spiritual principle. This is a life principle. Starting in verse 6. Well, let me pick up in verse 8. It says that once we've given, he says a farmer who plants a few seeds, you can get a small crop, but if you plant generously, you'll get a generous crop. Verse 8 says that God will generously provide all that you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Now, in verse 8 of the Amplified, I want you to, to see how it says it. I really like the way that it says in verse 8. And this will tie in with what I've been sharing with you. He talks about, you know, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows generously will also reap generously and be blessed. He says, let each one give as he purposes in his heart. But in verse 8, he says, and God is able to make all grace. When I sow to the Spirit, God who is Spirit is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. Come to you in abundance. God, when you sow to the Spirit, not sowing to the flesh, when you sow to the Spirit, God will make all grace. Well, what's all grace? It's everything you need. It's all of God's grace in your life. So God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing. This is a side note, and I don't have time to preach it, but you can't do what God's called you to do without God's favor. Don't try. Go look at Joseph. Go look at Nehemiah. I mean, you know, I love the book of Nehemiah. Probably my favorite story in all of Scripture. Nehemiah would have been a slave who died in slavery if he had not had favor. It was favor that gave him the opportunity to go and save a city. Favor was the the key. Like I said, I ain't got time to preach it, although I would love to. It's one of my favorite stories. It says, God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly, earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything. Being completely self-sufficient in Him and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. So God says, look, when you sow to the Spirit, you're going to have all the grace that you need. You're going to have all the resources that you need. I mean, you know, it is going to take some amount of resource for you to believe God to do what He's called you to do. And part of it is this, is that, and, and, and I think that and this is part of what I want you to catch tonight, is this, is that, Whatever your vision is for your life, God's vision for you is bigger. And some of you have had a vision from God for your life for a while. And it's time for you to re-up your vision and to get a new one. It's time for God to open your eyes even more to see what God has for you. The blessings of the Lord... Yes, I believe in being diligent. I believe in hard work. But look, there's a lot of people who work really hard for a really long time and yet they never step into the fullness of what God has for them. And it's not because they didn't work. It's not because they didn't give. It's because they had limited vision. The enemy kept them viewing small, looking small, seeing small. If I can just have enough, if I can just have enough. Well, God is more than just enough. He didn't give us so small of a salvation. The Bible says He gave us so great of a salvation. God's not the God of just enough. He's the God of more than enough. That's why He's called the Almighty, the all-sufficient one, the one who provides more than enough. 
But what happens, and it's just a principle, and so what has to happen is that you have to have your eyes opened up. And I don't mean in a physical sense. I mean like the, the eye of your spirit man has to be able to see the vision of God for your life. Why? So that you can begin to believe God for that vision. So that you can then step into that vision. And then once you get there, guess what? God's going to say, hey, I got more than that for you too. You're like, oh, I thought this was it. And God says, no, that was just step one. The Bible says we go from, what, glory to glory to glory. From grace to grace to grace. And so we should never get to the place that we're settled and just say, well, I'm good. Why? Because, I mean, the Bible actually speaks that God wants to use us where other people would look at us and say, why are they blessed? And I don't mean just like in a financial man. I believe that's a part of it. But you can have all the money in the world and not really be biblically blessed. Because money won't make you happy. Stuff won't make you happy. And if that's where your happiness lies, you're going to be in for a bumpy road. But it doesn't change the principles that God wants us to live a blessed life. He wants us to walk in the fullness of what He has. And the good news is... is We just sign up and say, Lord, you're going to help me do it. You're going to make me smarter than I am. You're going to make me do better than I think I can. I mean, I don't know how many of you have ever been, have been in the situation where you maybe were in a job or a position or you were told to do something that you had no clue how to do. Lord, you put me here and I don't have a clue what to do. How do I do this job? Well, you better learn how to lean into the grace of God. Okay, Lord, I don't know how to do this, but you put me here. I need some help. I need you to give me your wisdom so that I can function in this place. I mean, Joseph didn't just show up at the king's palace to rule over the largest nation in the world, be number two in charge, because he was just a smart guy. He had learned how to be led by the Lord. God gave him wisdom. And it brought promotion in his life. Well, if God will do it for Joseph, he'll do it for you. It's no different. But it is going to take a mentality difference. You think Joseph thought he would rule the known world from the pit? No, but God got him out of the pit. and He began to believe God and God blessed him. God gave him favor. Well, God will do the same thing for you. And so one of the things, you know, Proverbs has a principle that says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This is, so this is, I'm going to give you my interpretation of that. You'll live up to the, to the level that you believe that you can. And that's not just in a financial means. I mean, let me say it this way. If you have a lack mentality, you will live up to lack. Why? Because you say, well, this is all I have. This is, this is all my life can be. I could tell you story after story after story of people that got a vision from God for their life that was so far beyond anything they could have ever have imagined. And then God went even further. God wants to use you to do amazing things. He wants to show himself being good in your life. But you've got to have a vision that matches that. God wants to bless me. God wants to heal me. God wants me to have a a good family life. God wants to restore those relationships that have been broken down. Well, you've got to be mindful of those things. Believe God for them. And then ask God's grace in your life to help you do it. God, man, I need your presence. I need your ability in my life to accomplish what you've placed in me. I'm believing you for it, but I need your help to do it. That's the way God designed it. It's not unusual. God will never call you to do anything you can do. He ain't going to do it. Why? Because it totally removes him and our need for him. No, God wants us to be relying upon him. Why? So that he gets all the credit. 
He gets all the glory in the end because it's like nobody but God. I mean, you know. Man, I want people to look at me and be like, I know that dude. He ain't that smart. You're right. I am not that smart. But I do have a good daddy. And he's gracious and he's good and he, he has helped me. I never want to look at my life and be like, look what I did. Congratulations. That's living small. I want to look around and be like, holy cow. Look what God did. I can't believe that this is my life. And this is what the blessings in my life that I get to enjoy. And what God's used me to accomplish. It's amazing. But it's going to come from a place of believing that God will. That he wants to. The Bible says that he finds pleasure when we prosper. That is financial. But it's also many other areas as well. But it's going to require you to have the vision to see. You may have to ask the Lord to open up your eyes to see. You may be in a situation right now that you look at and you're like, man, it's totally overwhelming and there's no way out. Think about Elijah and his servant. He comes to Elijah and says, hey, man, we are up a creek. They've got us surrounded and they're about to just wipe us out. And what, is, what does Elijah pray? Lord, open his eyes. Let him see that there's more with us than there are with them. And it's amazing what happened. That servant's vision changed. His confidence changed all of a sudden. All of a sudden, he probably was like, mm, I thought I was dead, but now I know something has, what happened. One word from God. His eyes were open to see the reality of the situation, and it gave him confidence. See, and the same thing is true with you. And it may be one step at a time. I mean, God does deliver instantly, but there are also times where he says, come and walk with me and walk right out of this deliverance. You're like, well, I don't believe that. That's not even scriptural. He did it with Peter. Peter was locked up in jail. The Bible says he was in the deepest, darkest part, had two guards next to him, and an angel comes and kicks him. Put your clothes on. Now, just for giggles, could not God have just picked Peter up and taken him outside of the jail and said, hey, go on now. Doesn't say that. Says the angel woke him up and says, hey, get dressed. Put your shoes on. We're going for a walk. Says as they walked and they got to the prison doors, they just opened. The angel didn't open them. Why? I don't know. It's a good question. God could have easily just said, Peter's not supposed to be in jail. We're just going to translate him. He did it with Philip. Why could he do it with Peter? He could. He just chose not to. He says, you're going to walk out into deliverance. So he walked him right out. So sometimes the Lord does instantly deliver, but there's also times that he says, hey, come walk with me. You're going to walk right out of this. Does it really matter? As long as the end result is still God's purpose in your life? You're not always going to figure it out. But it's trusting the Lord. saying, okay, one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. And you're led. And then... All of a sudden, you're like, oh, this is what God's been doing. I mean, you know, for some of us that have been living for the Lord a little bit longer, God's been decades preparing us. For what? For right now. He's not slack concerning His promises. He's not lethargic in His promises. He will bring about His Word in our life. But we have to have eyes to see it. Think about the Ephesians prayers. Open the eyes of their understanding. That they will be enlightened. That they would what? Know the hope of their calling. That they would know the hope of the vision that God has for you. Open their eyes. Open their eyes. Open their eyes. Let their eyes see what God has for you. And so you may be here tonight and you say, I don't really have a clue what God wants for me. You need to start asking the Lord to open your eyes. God, let me have a vision. Let me have your vision for my life. I don't want to be about David's business. I don't want to be about David's plan. I want to be about God's plan in my life. And walking it out. And seeing him work. And every step of the way watching him do what only he can do. Because he gets the glory. He gets the praise. And I still get to enjoy everything that he does. Well the same thing is true with you. It's no different. But it all starts with having eyes that have a clear vision. Why? Because vision brings clarity. Vision brings purpose.
Vision tells you you're headed in the right direction, so you actually arrive at the beach when you want to go to the beach. But that requires clarity. And when you do that, I'm telling you, you'll see time after time where God just leads you. And you're going to look back and be like, man, that was pretty easy. It might have taken a long time, but it was pretty easy. Why? Because God did it. You didn't have to do it. You didn't have to figure it out. You let God bring it together, and in His perfect timing, it will come together. And then you'll be like, oh, that's why God did all that stuff. It was for this moment. And then you'll be able to look back and say, man, God has been faithful. And just as God's been faithful to thousands of other people, He will be faithful to you. Amen.